This episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Swinburne Astronomy Online, the world's longest-running online astronomy degree program. Visit astronomy.swin.edu.au for more information. Astronomy Cast, episode 220 for Monday, February 14th, 2011. Mass extinction events. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. My name is Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of University Today, and with me is Dr. Pamela Gay, a professor at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Hi, Pamela. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Fraser? I'm doing really well. Let's roll. A happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> For for those of us confused, for those of you confused, we're already confused. For those for those of you confused by the laughter, we recording this about six weeks late, right? So, yeah, <laughs> so we record so, yeah. things in order. Yeah. Uh, we backdate things so that in the future, it, the weeks that we release four and the weeks that we release mm-hmm. zero even out to one a week. But yeah, uh, this yeah. is gonna be one of those four in a week. So <laughs> lucky you. All right. So the the Earth seems like a safe place most of the time, but we have evidence of terrible catastrophes in the ancient past, times when almost all life on Earth was wiped out in a geologic instant. What could have caused so much devastation, and will something like this happen again? So there's a few of those, like these names, right? There's these various extinction events, and they all, many of them have names, KT extinction and is the, the one KT everyone extinction. Knows yeah, yeah, the Permian extinction, the late Devonian. I just the late that's Devonian. Just fun to say. Yeah. So, so there are all these big extinction events, and in each one of these, everybody died, or at least like, most stuff. Most stuff died all at the same time, right? So, so when we talk about a, you know, what is a when, when scientists define a mass extinction event. How, what are they talking about? It, for the major ones, there's usually something where 50% of the varieties died off. So for the, just to grab one, the Triassic-Jurassic extinction event, this was about 205 million years ago. This one, about 48% of all genre, if you remember that big tree of life that you had to learn probably in high school, 48% just died on land and right and this is the way they this is the way they measure it right they look at the fossil record before the moment the event and count up the the variety of species in the in the rock layer and then they take a look after the event and count up the variety of the species and so and you're looking at a there's 50 percent variety but it's not necessarily how many creatures died right it's it's the you know, how different are the creatures that are remaining? And it also goes into things like, was it only on land? Was it only in the ocean? Did everything everywhere die? And what's interesting is like bugs have a tendency to live. They just live. Bugs. Tough. Yeah. Cockroaches. Yeah. They, they will out survive all of us. Mm-hmm. And so you start looking at the different places that things died and you also start looking at 
the varieties that died? Did you only lose the dinosaurs? Did you only lose the frogs, which currently we're undergoing massive extinction event again? We're in the midst of what may be the number six, or it may even get higher than that, extinction rate that the planet Earth has ever had. And so we see frogs going away, amphibians in general going away. We see bees going away, birds going away. So as we start losing biodiversity across the planet, that is the definition of an extinction. There's still life everywhere, but the types of life are decreasing in radical numbers. But it's hard, you know, if, you know, the extinction event that we're in right now, it's hard to notice it. Yeah, it's not like I noticed like, oh, you know, there's one less type of frog showing up in my backyard these days. And, and, but I don't think that the previous extinction events happened that subtly, right? Well, so when the dinosaurs died, giant asteroid fell out of the sky. That was rather noticeable. (laughs) But some of the other extinction events, we're not really sure. They could have, just like the one we're experiencing right now, have been the type of great dying that it took time and it was due to an environmental change. And so while you did have massive amounts of death and destruction of life forms, um, it wasn't a sudden in-the-moment destruction. And we're in one of those not-in-the-moment destructions right now. Hmm. So then can you give me some examples of some of the, of the big ones? What were the big extinction events? Well, the most recent big extinction event was... Yeah, we'll go backwards. <laughs> okay, so the most recent one was the crustaceous tertiary extinction event, which is spelled with a C and a T, but is referred to as the KT boundary, which is one of those things that just baffles me. So there must be a language where crustaceous is spelled with a K, and that would just make me happy. Russian or something, yeah. It, they don't so much have the C and the K, but I'm right, <laughs> right. there with you. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. So, and that's 65 million years ago, right? That's the famous one that killed the dinosaurs. And so here we're looking at in trying to figure out the geological boundary between have dinosaurs, don't have dinosaurs. That <laughs> right. It's an important boundary. Um, below here lie the T-Rex. When when we start looking at this boundary, it was actually discovered that there's a very distinct difference in the geology of that boundary layer. Uh, this is research that was done by Luis Alvarez and his son Walter Alvarez, as well as the chemist uh, chemists Frank Asario and Helen Michael. And what they found is there's iridium which is extremely rare on Earth, but is rich in certain types of asteroids. There's basically a planet-wide layer of iridium at the dinosaur-no-dinosaur boundary. And it's also like a dark black line, isn't it? In the, I've, seen, I've seen them sort of showing you the KT boundary. It's this black line that runs in the, in the strata. And, and so you can actually see something happened. Yeah. And it's it's believed that this was caused by some sort of a giant impact here on the planet Earth. And this of course is where you start trying to figure out okay, where's the big hole in the ground? 
And living on a planet that's largely water, it can be a bit annoying at times. But this one actually is partially on land, and it looks like the Chicxulub coast of the Yucatan in Mexico is part of an impact crater. And it was partially oil geologists, people out there surveying, surveying to figure out where to find petroleum resources are in part responsible for finding this crater because as they were going out making measurements of, okay, I know how far I am from the center of the planet Earth, what is the gravitational pull where I am right now? And by combining the information of where you are in distance with the amount of gravitational pull you experience, you can actually get a sense of the density beneath you. And they found these gravitational anomalies that added up to there's an area of the ground that's been compacted and this is that crater. Hmm. And, and so then, you know, looking back in time, what do they think happened? I mean, you know, it's a big space rock, <laughs> but, but, you know, what in, you know, as a good example for the kind of event, you know, a mass extinction event, what are we looking at happened? So basically you have, rock from the sky comes in for a rather violent landing and based on this 180 or so kilometer crater you can guess that when it impacted there was a lot of rock that was basically turned into dust and thrown into the upper levels of the atmosphere there there's a fabulous scientific american caption that says when it hit it threw uh dirt rock and dinosaurs out of the earth's atmosphere <laughs> and that potentially happened and and so uh, you can just imagine being the poor <laughs> dinosaur munching leaves or munching another night dinosaur and you look up and there's giant rock coming from the sky burning up huge light fire ground shakes and the shock wave goes traveling through the ground and it's that shock wave that's so dangerous and throws things up and that shock wave leads to you being thrown into low earth orbit and dead yeah but what about the uh the rain of molten rock that falls down around the whole earth yeah and lights everything on fire <laughs> Right. Right. So it, it's it's unclear exactly how much of that story would actually have happened. But there is a problem with molten rock being generated and tossed up. And then it's a matter of, well, how high, how long is it in the air? Does it have a chance to cool off? Does it actually have ignition temperature when it hits the ground? Nonetheless, there's all this stuff thrown into the atmosphere. This leads to acid rain, which kills vegetation, kills plankton, kills all the stuff that gets eaten by the things further down on the food chain. Those things start dying, so things at the top of the food chain start dying. You have changes in the planetary temperature, which makes cold-blooded animals have a kind of rough day. You, you have all of these things coming together at once, and some things ran for the right environment. Like we now see some animals living further north than they used to trying to find some place that it's still cool enough to survive. Here you probably would have had things running towards the equator trying to find some place warm enough to survive. Right. So you would have had the event itself and, you know, exactly how devastating that was is unclear. But in the worst case scenario, 
it's like the whole earth was on fire with temperatures hot enough to boil water everywhere you went. Right. Right? To And that the only place you could survive is if, if you were quite a depth underground. And even when you emerged, the entire planet was cooked to a crisp, nothing to eat, <laughs> not a good day, right? Not a good day to go to go hunting for food. So Yeah, it probably wasn't that extreme. There there is evidence that things did live for a while and it it was that wow. It's, th- right. And so afterwards, right? So then yeah. you get this horrible event in the moment where possibly it's nowhere to, nowhere safe on earth at all. And then you have the after effects when it's also a really horrible place to live for a very long time. Right. I mean, you're looking at what, like hundreds of years before, before things might get back to normal. And and, and this know. is where it's unclear, but you're definitely looking at tens of thousands of years for the diversity of life to recover. Hmm. And so we're unsure exactly how long it took for the suffering to end basically. (laughs) (laughs) So there, there was still a couple tens of thousands of years where it looks like some dinosaurs managed to just barely hang on, but it's unclear how much of that is. You can actually have fossils move around in the geologic record, which is kind of annoying. So for plus or minus a few tens of thousands of years, there's a question mark. But it looks like you could have had a few tens of thousands of years of things barely making it before they just died off and were replaced by new up-and-coming life forms. So all non-avian dinosaurs died off near this period. Some of the avian ones, well, they still exist today. We call them birds. Right. So we've got all of the, the, the birds surviving and some of the mammals and some of the the plants and then and insects and then you get this this re-speciation right so shortly after you've got very few species and then things recover and and what was amazing about the kt boundary is it pretty much killed off everything big that wasn't cold-blooded and the reason this happens is you can take a cold-blooded animal and get it cold and it basically hibernates and stops eating. So things like crocodiles could survive. But (laughs) all of the big dinosaurs that were a wee bit warm-blooded in one way or another, dead. Any large mammals that might have existed, dead. But luckily, most of the things were small at that point. And the small mammals, the avian dinosaurs, which in order to fly, you have to have fewer demands on your system where you get too massive and flying becomes hard. All of these things were, were able to survive this period. The, the other thing that's kind of weird, though, is pretty much all of the northern marsupials died off. You, you don't really think of marsupials in dinosaur times, but there were a bunch of marsupials in North America and some in Asia, and they were all gone after this boundary hmm. period. So that's that's just one of those weird, huh, yeah. things that came out of this extinction. We could have kangaroos here in North America if things that had gone different. That would be so cool. Yeah. Um, right, so, <laughs> so the KT is the big famous one, but there are some other ones that make the KT boundary, the KT event, look kind of small in comparison. Yeah, no, that, right? that's, that's, that would be entirely true. Yeah, so like your worst day ever is nothing compared to the Earth's worst days ever. 
Right. The dinosaurs yes. worst day ever. Yeah. So so let's talk about some other extinction events then and maybe how they're different. So so working our way back in time, the the next big bad boy of of the extinctions was the Triassic Jurassic extinction event. And this was one where you you lost vast amounts of the stuff in the ocean. And so that that's one of the things that makes it one to notice is what caused the ocean of all things to have all of these problems during this period. A lot of the large amphibians were able to, to survive, but the aquatic environment just had these huge die-offs. 20% of marine families, 55% of marine genre all became extinct. Mm. And so in trying to figure this one out, there aren't any asteroid impacts that seem tied to it. And while it looks like there were gradual sea level fluctuations, it doesn't explain the suddenness of what happened in the marine environment. And so it's thought maybe this was due to some sort of volcanic eruptions. And there's what's called the Central Atlantic Magmatic province, which is basically this large expanse of magma that was created. And anytime you have lava coming out, if, if you watched any of the eruptions recently in Japan or Indonesia or Iceland or Hawaii, you end up with carbon dioxide, sulfur dioxide, and all of this stuff just thrown into the air. And if you have basically continent-wide magma release, that's going to throw vast quantities of stuff into the atmosphere and cause some sort of a temperature effect globally. And with a combination of changing ocean levels predicted and this predicted change in the environment all of these factors together probably led to just reaching a point where life just wasn't sustainable anymore and you had massive die-offs. Hmm. But it's interesting that it was largely targeted in the water as opposed to on land as well. I mean, I wonder if huge eruptions underwater or something just started off. Well, there, there's, there's that. And the other thing is if you have changing ocean levels, if you look at where the most diversity of life is, uh, you're looking at the low, low depth areas, the coral reefs, the edges of the crustal plates, basically. And it's in this slope down to the deep sea trenches that you have so much life and if you drop the water levels, this long expanse of shallow water goes away mm. and all those places for biodiversity go away. Right. Huh. Okay. So let's keep moving back. So the, the next big one we have is the Permian-Triassic. And this is, this is where you start thinking about, well, where did oil come from? <laughs> well, that's Permian times, Triassic times. Wow. And and so when we look back at this, this is the big death. Yeah. This is 96% of all marine species, 70% of terrestrial vertebrates, everything died, dead, dead. This is the great dying, right? If you, if you yes. hear anyone talk about the great dying, this is the event. No more life. No more life. None. None. Wow. Well, I mean, obviously some because here we are. Right. 
so so <laughs> there there were those remaining thirty percent of terrestrial vertebrates, remaining four percent of marine <laughs> species. The the weird 4%. thing about this is this is this is the death that killed insects. Yeah, there there's really no other dying off that that killed insects. And the other thing about this is there's actually a gap in coal being created during this period. So if, if you're looking for coal to come from during the Permian-Triassic extinction event, there's no coal there. And there are whole... I'm, I'm, I'm not a biologist, but, and so I forget the, the classification, but there are some fairly basic types of, of animals, fairly basic body plans and they disappeared during that extinction. I mean, you have whole branches of the tree of life that went away. Ninety percent, ninety-six percent of corals, for instance, went away. And yeah, no, I know, but you have like whole types of animals. I mean, I'm sorry, biologists, right. you know what I'm getting at, right? That that went away. That that trilobites, yeah, gone. yeah, exactly, right? The coolest fossil ever, all gone. Yeah, yeah. And and so there are whole kinds of life that that just never made it past that moment, that event. Sea scorpions. Right. Who doesn't want to have underwater deadly sea scorpions? Right. But we don't because of this extinction event. Yeah. And what starts getting frustrating as we look at these that are further and further back in time is our planet has this nasty habit of resurfacing its surface. And so as we try and understand what happened in the more distant past, we start to lose the ability to look for evidence of impacts. The crater would have probably gotten worn away, plate tectonic carried away. So many different things could have destroyed it by now. So while there are impact craters that are linked as possible causes to this there's no one thing we can look at and go that that is the cause of this extinction event so we look instead at there seems to be a peak in some of the quartz crystals found at the boundary layer there's fullerenes that have trapped all sorts of gases at the boundary layer but that could have just been one local event in Antarctica where all of these things are being found and in Australia where all of these things are being found. That could have just been a regional thing. Mm-hmm. People also point to all sorts of massive volcanic events that took place. There was massive volcanism going on in China, in the Guadalupe area, in Siberia. And with all of these massive volcanic events, maybe that played a role. Maybe the impact caused the volcanism. We're just not sure. And then there's always the the case of, well, why is it that we see sudden changes in the carbon isotopic ratios at this point? Could it be that there was some sort of an outgassing that that caused this change? And so as we look at what could have happened at all of these different things, we're just not sure. And this particular everything died event probably was tied to a whole bunch of bad stuff all happening at once, all feeding off of one another. And what we're learning is global catastrophes one event can trigger many other things to happen. It, it used to be thought that if you hit a planet with an asteroid, you cause localized volcanism. Well, now we're finding 
Maybe, maybe not, but maybe on the other side of the planet, on the antipode, right. maybe you had volcanism. Oh, so, like, so, like, an, it would the Earth would be hit by an asteroid so hard that you would get ripples of of force moving through the planet, and then bunching up on the opposite side of the planet, and then it would explode as as volcanism. Or maybe it's just enough to take existing volcanoes that were sitting there kind of right. quiet, kind of moaning, uh, minding their own up. business, and all of them go off at once. Yeah. And so and so that seems to be the model right now is that it's it was a whole – like it took a very special circumstance to cause so much destruction. You had to right. – you had to – you know, hit the earth and then when it was trying to get up, hit it again and again. And right. and that and something it's thought and it's funny because there's like the there's the volcano people and there's the asteroid people and most and a lot of people are just like completely on the fence or I think it was some of one and some of the other. Right? <laughs> I, I'm right there with yeah, you. Yeah. You know, a little of both makes it seem more likely. Yeah, what a what a catastrophe! And I, we've done a few articles on Universe Today about that. There is some subtle evidence, as you said. There are like common characteristics of of craters or minerals found around the Earth that maybe are gonna could have caused that. But but still, there's just no smoking gun, so we just don't know. But 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 if we go further back, there are more of these, right? Right. So so we have two more. And we're we're leaving out all the little punctuated yeah. things. Yeah, you know, you only kill ten percent, twenty. Who cares, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <You know. laughs> so, so this is where we start getting to the the late Devonian extinction period, and well, just the Devonian extinction in general. So, this was an event where basically fifty percent of the genera went extinct all at once. There were probably different periods of extinction during this. And so you saw one die-off and then not too long after it, another die-off. Now, this is one of those that when we start talking about what died, well, the planet didn't have anything on land more sophisticated than bugs. So it's kind of hard to measure die-offs when you don't have giant skeletons to go searching for. Right. So trying to make sense of this particular extinction has taken time where they've, they've done neat things like look at fossilized leaves to look at how much insect munching had occurred to try and get a oh, sense of the biodiversity clever. based on yeah. what bugs ate. And it, it's cool. And this is how we learned lots of things died. And there were two sharp peaks in this particular event of things dying off. And you said there was there was were those the two events? Is that what you're saying? There was two events previous, or is there another one? Well, it's it looks like during the during the late Devonian period of extinction, there were two separate extinction events. These are referred to as the Kelwasser and the Hangenberg events. And exactly what triggered them, we're still trying to figure out. The Kelwasser one is detected based on marine invertebrates getting killed off. And the Hangenberg one, it's it's this final spike of dead stuff that's basically found in the rock layer, whereas you're looking at the sandstone and the shale layers, you see this material that's anoxic. It It is just different life that 
suffered and died. And it's, it's that marking in the records that distinguishes these two different events that occurred fairly close to one another and killed lots of stuff. Now, the obvious question, of course, is will there be more mass extinction events in the future? Yes. Yes. And I, we can go even back further than this. There's, there's still the Ordovian Silurian mm-hmm, extinction mm-hmm. event, and that only affected oceans because there was really only life in the oceans. Yeah. And, and whenever there's been life, there's been death. And sometimes the death clusters up. We're undergoing massive extinction right now. It's unclear how much of it is due to global warming, how much of it is due to human beings. I highly recommend reading Guns, Germs, and Steel. Mm-hmm. And there are asteroids in our future. There are potentially supernova in our future. The Ordovian Silurian one, actually, it, it's considered that this might have been a gamma ray burst. Mm. This might have been a supernova that affected the ability of our ozone to protect the planet Earth from UV. That could happen to us again. And then, of course, we're going to have the final one when, our, when the sun heats up to the point that it bakes the Earth. I think that one goes beyond <laughs> extinction event yeah. to planet destruction event. Yeah, um, yeah, the the final, the big one. <laughs> but but in the interim, what we find is life has ways of recovering, and while we've been undergoing this every few tens of millions of years, extinctions pretty much like clockwork in a lot of ways. Although there's there's no extra star there's no passing through the galactic plane it's just statistically we tend to die off every few tens of millions of years this this will keep happening yeah the universe will keep finding ways to kill us we have a poster you can buy it at astrogear.org yeah The, the universe is trying to kill us all yeah well that's uh great pamela very scary but great all right we'll talk to you next week it sounds great. I'll talk to you later. This has been Astronomy Cast, a weekly facts based journey through the cosmos. Show notes and transcripts for every episode are available on our website. Check it out at astronomycast.com. You can send us any comments, questions, or feedback to info at astronomycast.com. We read every email. The show is a nonprofit educational resource provided by Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. We're supported through the kind donations of listeners like you. If you enjoy Astronomy Cast, why not give us a donation? It helps us pay for bandwidth, transcripts, and show notes. Just click the donate link on the website. All donations are tax deductible for U.S. taxpayers. You can support the show for free, too. Write a review or recommend it to your friends. Every little bit helps. Click support the show on our website to see some suggestions. To subscribe to the show, point your podcatching software at astronomycast.com slash podcast.xml or subscribe directly from iTunes. Music is provided by Travis Searle. The show was edited by Preston Gibson. Astronomy Cast is produced at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, with generous support from Universe Today. 